Hey everybody, welcome in to Sports Plus Live if you're watching us live on social media on Thursday night. Uh, and hello on the Sports Plus Podcast if you're listening on the podcast or watching us on uh, YouTube. I'm Corey Miller here tonight with Ahmad Hicks who's holding it down at the station, uh, anchoring the shows tonight with Frank on uh, having a day off. we got a lot to talk about, Ahmad. It's been a while since uh, we've caught up on some sports. Let's talk first Blues. Uh, Cardinals are over. It's uh, We're shifting into Blues offseason and a lot of Blues news over the last week. Let's start with the captain. Well, no longer the captain, right. Alex Petrangelo, heading out to the desert, Vegas, on a seven-year contract. It was probably always a long shot. The Blues were going to keep him. They had to do some maneuvering. Uh, we thought they may be doing that when they moved Jake Allen, and nobody really knows how much uh, both sides got together and how close it really was. But, I mean, it's still weird to think about that this guy who's been such an integral part of the organization for, gosh, he was drafted 12 years ago or so, is just gone, just like that. Yeah, Corey, and, you know, and I hate to mention this for St. Louis sports fans watching, but, I mean, we may have the same situation on our hands come this summer or this offseason with Yadier Molina. I mean, obviously, you never want to see a guy like Alexander, uh, I mean, Alex Petrangelo walk. I mean, he's had so much history with the Blues. He's helped them get over the mountaintop. He's took over for David Backus and wore that seat proudly. But, I mean, when you look at it, a guy who's up there in years in his career, he's not getting any younger. He's not getting any faster. He possibly can get stronger. But let's be real here. This is a young man's game that we're playing where we're talking about hockey and speed kills. And we saw that during the Stanley Cup playoffs that the Blues just did not have any speed. And I think adding a guy like Tory Krug, obviously he's not a big defenseman like the Blues like to keep on their roster, but he has some speed and he has some savviness. He can get the puck across to Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly and Jaden Schwartz and all those guys who need to get the puck in their hands, especially on the power play. So you hate to see a guy like Petrangelo walk, but I mean, look, you save some money, you're able to sign a couple more players, and you get to build around that guy instead of building for one player like Alexander Petran- I mean, Alex Petrangelo and trying to make it all work. Yeah, you mentioned Tory Krug. Uh, I remember I was out shooting football on Friday when I saw that come across, and I thought, oh man, Doug Armstrong is not playing around. No. He made sure. Because he didn't know how the Petrangelo situation was going to work out, and he didn't want to come away empty-handed, and the Blues mm-hmm. needed help on defense. So he went out and got somebody. Uh, Tory Krug, uh, Blues fans, obviously know him best for <laughs> leveling Robert Thomas in yeah. Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals. I remember that moment. In the moment, I was fired up, and I was like, oh, my God, that guy that's such a dirty hit. And then I looked at it back, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, that was a pretty clean hit in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. And it set that place on, like, fire. fire. Yes. Everybody was going nuts. Mm-hmm. I think Blues fans are going to like him a lot. He's he's a lot different than Petrangelo, though. Uh, you said it. Uh, I heard, actually, Cam Jansen breaking it down. Petrangelo is so long, and he stops so many plays from coming into the zone and breaking stuff up and laying out. He's so tall. Krug is not very tall, but Krug is a lot faster. Uh, you're going to get the offensive production from both of them. I feel like they're both kind of step up, help, help out in the uh, offensive end kind of defenseman, which I would really prefer the Blues... Uh, get a more defensive guy or, or maybe have their guys more committed on the defensive end like because they're going to miss Jay Bowmeister for sure because mm-hmm. that was a big uh, part of his game. But Krug's pretty exciting. I think this is an interesting uh, interesting move for the Blues, and they also brought in Kyle Clifford, another guy who yeah, Blues fans tough. probably didn't like a whole lot. Mm-hmm. If you remember last year, Getting into got it into it with Jordan Bennington. Yeah, uh, yeah checking each other. So they bring in two guys... <laughs> 
I think, who I bet Blues fans about a week ago could not have even imagined being on the team. But those are the type of guys that you want on your team. The guys that you hate when you're playing against them, but the guys that you love when they're on your side of the ice or your side of the bench. And I think when we talk about Krug, obviously the Blues had one of the better power play units during the regular season last year before the pandemic hit. But then you think about what they did during the postseason. It wasn't too hot. And we always seem to be talking about the Blues and their power play, especially when the playoffs roll around. I mean, I've only been here for two years, Corey, but that was a big topic of discussion last year during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I think bringing in a guy like Tory Krug to help with that power play unit, to have guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shin and all of them, it's just like, man, that just seems like a stellar power play unit, especially when you think about it. You still have Colton Pareko, Scandella. You have all those guys that are still there that can fit in, you know, where they need to fit in. So I'm, I'm just excited to see what type of offensive skill set he brings to a team that could probably use a little bit more scoring because, like Doug Armstrong said last week, we still don't know what's going on with Alexander Steen, and we still don't know what's going on with Vladimir Tarasenko, so we may need some offense somewhere. Yeah, uh, it's also, I think, a guy that's not even factored in any of this at all is the biggest uh, the biggest factor is Justin Falk mm. because they traded for him mm-hmm. last year thinking, okay, if we lose Petrangelo, this is our guy. Gave him, signed him immediately to a big contract. Huge. And to put it mildly, uh, he was not good last year. No. He, he showed some, some flashes in, in the postseason of the guy uh, they thought they were going to get. I think if Falk turns back into the guy he was in Carolina, Doug Armstrong looks like a genius and the Blues are great. If he's bad again... I think this is going to dog uh, the Blues for a little while here because if you don't trade for him, you don't give him all that money, you probably can re-sign Petrangelo. And uh, and Petrangelo, you know what you're going to get with him. So I think Justin Falk is probably the most important Blue heading into next season. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, let's mm-hmm. stay on the Blues. They're without a captain, yep. and they got to find a new one. And mm-hmm. I think you and I it's both a know. It's a no-brainer. Both, I think I just <laughs> know in us how we talk. I think we know who they're going to pick. Absolutely. You go ahead. Go ahead and tell them who Ryan uh, O'Reilly. Come on, this guy. He shows up to work early. He stays late. He helps out all the young guys. He helps out the veterans. What's not to like about Ryan O'Reilly? Not to mention from a media point of view. He's never had a bad interview with us. I mean, some players, you know, they don't want to talk after games. They get a little short. They get a little chippy with us, especially when we ask those hard-hitting questions. But Ryan O'Reilly is a flat-out man and a leader. Every single time we go into that locker room, he always has a calm presence. Whether they won a game or whether they lost a game, you can always go to him and walk away more confident than you walked in. So I think it's a no-brainer. Ryan O'Reilly wears the C next year, and I think he'll wear it proudly. Well, yeah, that was pretty perfect there, Ahmad. Uh, I think O'Reilly is pretty much the hockey god's gift to St. Louis, and I hope they milk him for all he's worth. He's only scheduled to be here for another three years, I think, including next year. So it's not the longest contract in the world right now. He's not going anywhere. You want to give the C to a guy who's going to be here a long time. I I am very confident they're going to lock him up, though. I don't think we're going to have a Petrangelo situation with O'Reilly. He loves it here. Not that Petrangelo didn't, of course. He said many times he did. But I think the Blues are going to pay him what he wants uh, because just everybody has fallen in love with him, and it's just it's too perfect of a fit. Braden Shen is an interesting option I've seen people talking about. He is signed for a long time, and his game has grown since he's been here as well. 
I, I wouldn't. I mean, if they want to do that, I, I don't. I don't hate it. But uh, Ryan O'Reilly is definitely the man for the job, and I'm uh, totally expecting that to be announced here coming yeah. up. Okay, let's switch. Let's talk a little baseball. Uh, game five actually just wrapped up. We're recording this on mm-hmm. Thursday night of the ALCS Rays and Astros. Randy forcing a game six. Uh, but the guy, oh, the guy. Pretty much everybody in St. Louis is God. watching this series for us to see what Randy Rosarina is going to do next. He just hit a home run in Game Five and threw out Jose Altuve at second base. So uh, pretty, pretty uh, slow night for him out there. Man. I mean, okay, if I would have told you a year ago, right now, Randy Rosarina is leading the Tampa Bay Rays to the World Series in San Diego in the middle of a pandemic with no fans in the stands, I. What would even be your response? That sounds so ridiculous, I can't even imagine. You know, you don't want to believe something like that when we think about it now, but when you look back at last year, he was really hitting down at the AAA level, and he struggled when he came up here. But let's look at this, Corey. Let's let's think about it. The Cardinals every year seem to always have these key pieces from their minor league organization or their AAA club that they say could be really, really good if they get a shot. They bring these guys up every year, but none of them actually get a legitimate shot where they say, hey, you're our guy. guy. 40 games in, you're going to play 40 games. You get 40 opportunities. Don't worry about somebody coming else behind you. This year, you have a platoon. You have Tyler O'Neill. You have Lane Thomas. You have Dylan Carlson. You have so many guys that cannot get comfortable. It just makes you think, what about all the young guys that they continue to let go every single year because they don't give them an opportunity because somebody is in front of them? Where you think about, you had uh, Albert Pujols. They let him walk, but they had young people coming up. But you think about some of the other guys that they don't let play, Luke Voigt. He left. He starred, you know, for the New York Yankees. And, you know, we got Paul Goldschmidt, but you like to think, what if we don't pay Goldschmidt all that money and we keep Luke Voigt for, you know, a nice, decent contract? Then Tommy Pham, he goes to San Diego. He has a nice little season. Then you think about Randy or Rosarina, and it's just like, what if the Cardinals give some of these guys an opportunity who do so well at the AAA level and stop giving so many opportunities to the guys that they pay all these millions of dollars to do uh, to do so. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but I think you know where I'm going, Corey. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this, and I look at it both ways, and I think you got to look at all these trades individually and at the time, and I it's hard to find. I mean, it looks really bad right now, <laughs> and the player evaluation for offensive prospects seems to not really be on par at, at this now. point but you got to look at everyone everyone in its own its own context the Randy Rosarena trade or the Cardinals definitely wrong not to play him more when they brought him up of course they were we asked Mike Schilt about him pretty much every single day last year and he could still barely crack the lineup and when he did he was pretty good so he definitely should have played more mm-hmm. should the Cardinals and Rays should the Cardinals have traded Bader and O'Neill instead of a Rosarena? We don't know if that was on the table. If it was, they look pretty, pretty, pretty silly right now. But we don't know if that was an option. I still like that trade. Randy Rosarena could be a good player, but he's not going to hit like Ted Williams his entire career. It's not no. going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to guarantee it right now. <laughs> uh, I like I like Libertor a lot, and if you can go out and get a top-of-the-line left-handed pitching prospect, like top-top-of-the-line for one of your one of your prospects who you think could be good but not great, and Jose Martinez, who you didn't really have a spot for, you do it. So I still love that trade, 
But right now, man, it's it's tough watching these games and seeing him do something every single night. But it's also fun. I'm happy. Well, for him. well, let me ask yeah, you this cool question, Core. In the back of my head, it just. Ugh. Do you think that from the top down, the Cardinals need to switch up how they operate things? Because we've known for years that they don't spend a lot of money on free agents because they have a really good farm system and they just trust the process and guys continue to come up and they they do what they need to do. But has that formula ran its course? Do you think? Well, I, I, I defend them a lot, usually, mm-hmm. and I usually agree with them on a lot of things. Uh, anytime they're talking about pitching, I, I'm pretty much going to defer to them because they know what they're talking about. They can develop young pitchers. They can draft and scout young pitchers. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, I, the offensive evaluation for guys they've been giving away is a bit concerning. Uh, I think the last year or so, Fans have really been upset with how they haven't spent really any money at all, mm-hmm. and I get that. But looking around at options, I don't fault them that much. I mean, this past offseason, I fault them a lot for not bringing Ozuna back because yeah. I think that was you didn't have anybody established. You say you want to give guys time, but here you had a guy who wanted to come back who probably wasn't going to cost that much and be your best offensive player, and you just let him go, and now he's might be the MVP of the entire National League. I fault them some places. I'd like to see them spend more money, but I get it a lot of times, and I'm not one of those people online who just <laughs> yells, fire Mo and tear it all down. I think they know overall what they're doing, but, yeah, sure. I'd, I'd like to see them spread the wealth a little bit more. I want them to throw a ton of money at George Springer this offseason, but that is definitely not going to happen. They definitely need to but spend some cash to this offseason, that's for okay. sure. Okay. That would be nice. I think it's going to be more in the form of uh, if they want to make a move, a trade instead of signing somebody. But we will see on that. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's talk some football. Um, I'm pretty bummed. Of uh, course I you are. I watch Mizzou this weekend mm-hmm. after after a crazy – you know, I, I don't think my buddy's on here watching. I told a friend of Darn. mine I'd help him move and on Saturday because – on Saturday because I thought, yeah, they're playing LSU. I'll follow along a little bit, but – Figured you win. wouldn't need to watch and the game, And then it huh? gets closer and closer. Yeah, it's getting closer and closer, and we're moving couches and stuff. And I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, okay, hold on here. i got to pull this up and watch the end of this. And I was just jumping around an empty house as they stopped them, stopped the defending champion LSU Tigers on four straight plays mm-hmm. at the one-yard line mm-hmm. to win the game. Mm-hmm. Things like that don't happen mm-hmm. for Mizzou. It, do, it Usually something goes terribly wrong. It was crazy to watch, and... There is a lot of momentum now for Eli Drinkwitz and the Tigers, and it stinks they don't get to continue it this weekend against Vanderbilt. I'm buying all the hype for Mizzou right now, and I even bought it after their first game against Alabama. Yeah, I know they got their butts kicked, but if you were able to look at what that front seven did against Alabama for the second half of that game, they really much dominated that game. And head coach for Tennessee, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, he said the same thing. He said Mizzou was in control the entire second half of that Alabama football game. So I knew right then and there that they had the right formula to get the job done. But now it's a matter of continuing to get in those recruits. And we've seen the recruiting trail from Coach Drinkowitz. He's not lacking on that whatsoever. So I think he continues to get in, uh, lure in some of that top talent. I think this is just the beginning uh, for Mizzou, obviously. Big, big win. But Connor Bazelak, I mean, how much more can you say about that guy? 400 yards, four touchdowns against LSU, and it's only his second career start. And then you think about some of the talent that he has behind him. Shamanaz, Brady Cook, East St. Louis is Tyler Macon coming in next year. I think the Tigers are headed in the right direction. And um, 
you know, it pains me to say that because I share the set on Saturdays with Morgan, Jim, and Casey, all Mizzou graduates, and, uh, you know, they have some bragging rights <laughs> over me, Core. <laughs> I, uh, you mentioned recruiting, and I think, like, it would be great for Mizzou to win as many games as they can this year, obviously. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the bigger thing is for them to show some excitement, show they can hang with these teams, even with a roster that, I mean, it's fine. It's, they beat the defending champs, so it's pretty good. But it's not what Coach Drinkwich would want it to be. I can guarantee you that. So if they can keep this momentum, show recruits that this is a fun place to play football and you can have some cool moments, I think that's the biggest thing this year. And Basilek could be sticking around for another couple years, and he does look like the real deal. Uh, I'm glad uh, they handed the keys over to him. Sean Robinson, I thought, was going to be pretty good. He was pretty hyped when they got him from TCU. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely Basilek's job now. And hopefully we uh, just the SEC gets its COVID situation under control and they can start playing some more games here because it's been a rough week for the conference just yeah. all over. No Saban LSU, testing positive. No Florida, Florida, Florida yeah. shutting Man. things down. Their games, yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot the going SEC's on. SEC's kind of a mess right now, and Mizzou's just kind of sitting there waiting. You know, but, but yeah, hey, you know, hey, trending in the right direction. And we'll let them ride that high from last week. We'll let them stay up there on cloud nine right now, you know, get some momentum and keep it going and, you know, hopefully get in the film room and fix all those little mistakes that they had the previous two weeks. And hopefully they can go on the run the end of the year. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, everybody. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for joining us for the Sports Plus podcast. Have a good weekend. We'll be back next week.